So today we are in the book of Daniel. And before we get in, I just want to say one more prayer for us real quick. Father God, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you so much for this congregation. Father, thank you for this opportunity that you have blessed me with, Lord. I pray that you use me as a vessel to just say the words that you want to be said today. And for anyone who needs to hear a message today about what it means to stand up for your glory, God, I pray that they hear it and that they open their minds and their hearts to it, Lord. Thank you, God. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. So like I said, this book is in uh, Daniel. And I think this has become one of the most fascinating books to me because it has everything that we actually get excited about God for. It has God doing miraculous works in it. He's saving people's lives. There's a lot of drama. There's justice. There's punishment for evil. There's hope. There's redemption. And this overarching theme throughout the whole book that you can follow. The book itself is set right after the city of Jerusalem, the city of God's people, had been attacked and plundered by the Babylonian people. This book depicts the struggles of maintaining hope and faithfulness in the land of their conquerors. And today I want to talk to you about what it means to be an ambassador for God, like Daniel was, and having faith when surrounded by a culture that we are captive in, to be righteous with the gifts that we are given by God, and help the culture see the writing on the walls of their hearts. But to get the full picture of what is happening in our text, because I'm sure for some of you it made absolutely no sense, as it did for me when I first read it, and... For us to get into this, I want to briefly give you the picture of how so many things led to this confrontation that the King Belshazzar was having with his sin. And we will find through the book of Daniel a pattern of kings becoming prideful and glorifying themselves. And then kings needing to be humbled and having to come to a place of repentance. So let's go to the beginning of the book. The book starts with four men living in captivity with the Babylonians, Daniel and his boys, you may have heard of them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from VeggieTales. These men are wise and they are capable people. And so they are recruited from captivity to serve in the royal palace of Babylon. But however, they were pressured to give up their Jewish identity by living and eating like the Babylonians, which they would violate the Jewish food laws found in the Torah. But these were men of faith, and they refused to set their beliefs aside to live the way that the rest were. And God delivered them, and they ended up being elevated by the king of Babylon. And Daniel shows us through this that standing against the pressure of culture and honoring the Lord, not just in thought but in action, is something that the Lord rewards. And the book has this pattern to it. This first king, his name is Nebuchadnezzar, he has this dream about a statue that symbolized kingdoms, but the head of this statue was Babylon, and this huge rock came and shattered this statue, and it became a mountain. And Daniel says that this statue represents a train of human kingdoms trying to overthrow Babylon, his city, and the world will become filled with violence but also that one day God's kingdom will come and will confront and humble the arrogant kingdoms of the world and will fill the world with the healing justice of God's reign and rule. So the king hears this and he falls to his knees and he humbles himself before the Lord and he repents. And that same king later, Nebuchadnezzar, becomes filled with pride once again. And he made a statue like the one in his dream for people to bow down and worship. But Daniel's boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
say they will never bow down to man's gods and will only bow down to the one true God. And so they are persecuted for this. And they are thrown into a blazing fire that was seven times hotter than the usual fires that they threw people into. And it's so hot that it's killing the guards as they're trying to throw these boys in there. And when they look inside the furnace to see what happened to them, they see that there were four men, not three, in there. And that God had sent an angel to protect them. And once again, after seeing this, the king had to humble himself before the Lord. But once again, King Nebuchadnezzar falls into the trap of self-righteousness and pride, seeing all that his kingdom was becoming and taking the glory that was meant for God for himself. He had fallen away from God again. But he had another dream that Daniel interpreted, telling him to let go of sin, embrace righteousness, and humble yourself before God. But the king refuses. He sees what he has, and he says, no, it is all for me. And he is stricken with madness, and he becomes like a beast in the fields. But he eventually humbles himself, and his humanity is restored to him, and he is restored as king. And leading into our text today, there is a new king named Belshazzar, the son of this Nebuchadnezzar, who is, in our text, partying, living in sin, unrighteousness and pride is filling him, doing everything his father had done wrong before him. He was disrespecting the religious artifacts that were in the Jerusalem temple that they took when they conquered Jerusalem by filling them with wine and drinking from them. They praised false gods and materialistic things. And then out of nowhere, something was written on the wall that they could not read. And the king needed someone to interpret it. And when I was reading this text, I got the Ghostbusters theme in my head and was like, who are you going to call? <gasps> Daniel. And Daniel interpreted the writing on the wall, and it was a warning from God. And this is the context of our text today. This pattern of pride leading to destruction and the need for humility. But we also see a pattern of God using those who will remain faithful to interpret what the culture cannot understand. We see him use the faithfulness of Daniel to bring the nations back to Christ. He was in the culture, but he was not a part of it. He was an ambassador for God and his righteousness. And we too are God's ambassadors here on earth. And I want to talk to you about three things today. What it really means to be an ambassador for God like Daniel when having faith, when surrounded by a culture that is far from Christ that we are captive in and to be righteous with the gifts that we are given by God and help the culture see the writing on their own walls. So the first point I want to make to you is God's ambassadors must be faithful. One common theme with the background that we just went through was how culture kept changing. Different sins were being included, but it was really the same sin being shown in a different way. But what we also see is that God never changed, and the faithfulness of Daniel never changed, and it never wavered, despite all of the pressure and the temptation that Daniel faced to give into the culture of his time. He stood firm in his faith, and it was because of him standing firm in his faith that the culture was able to return to righteousness, 
And today we live in an extremely unrighteous culture, as we all know. We see our culture make idols out of literally everything that we can see. Politicians, possessions, entertainment, man-made religions, and their own selves. We see lust being glorified in entertainment, legal prostitution, and pornography. We see jealousy and coveting. What others have is being amplified through media programs. And many more examples that we all feel and that we all experience in our everyday lives. And it is depressing to turn on the news or your media and to see more unrighteousness glorified by so many. And yet it's so easy to become a slave to it. It is so easy to become entrapped into the culture and lose ourselves in it. But it's because of our faith in the same God that Daniel had faith in that we do not have to join in with the culture around us. Daniel was in literal captivity to the Babylonians. He faced persecution, trials, and culture constantly embracing sin and trying to pull him in. And he remained faithful through all of it. And we must do the same because our faith in God is the only thing that stands between us and becoming a slave to the culture around us. Daniel was not a victim to his captivity, and neither are we. We still have the opportunity to be faithful, to trust and obey God, to be grateful and use the gifts and the opportunities that we do have to do good, to help rebuild God's kingdom here on earth. But this requires faith, faith to endure when sin and Satan seem to be prevailing, faith to stand firm in the truth of God, faith to face our fears. The second point I want to make to you is God's ambassadors are grateful and they are righteous with their gift. Our text says in verse 17, then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. At this point, Daniel had been faithful despite his captivity and used his gift of wisdom and interpretation for many years and different kings, as we read earlier. Daniel was asked by the current king in our text, Belshazzar, to interpret the writing on the wall that appeared in the middle of his party. The king told him, you shall be clothed in royal attire. He was told he could have chains of gold and be third in command of the city if he interpreted the writing on the wall. But Daniel said, keep all of that stuff and give it to somebody else, but I will still interpret this writing on the wall. So Daniel does this work for free from what it looks like, even though he was offered this great reward. And who doesn't want to be rewarded for what they are gifted in? Daniel's gift was so impactful that even people who didn't know God knew how amazing his gift was. He had this God-given wisdom that nobody else had, and he was respected so greatly for this. But why would he use his gift on the same people that took him captive for free? Wouldn't he be better served only sharing his gift with his fellow Israelites in captivity? Because I think if I were in Daniel's shoes in that moment, 
I would be a little salty that the same people that kind of like took over my city and took me captive and chained me up are always asking me, hey, can you use our gift to like save our lives? I may not want to do that in the moment. I don't think many people would want to. But Daniel was an ambassador for God and he was faithful. And he was righteous with the gift of wisdom that God gave him. He recognized that it was God's will, his gift of wisdom would be shared with anyone who needed it. And him using this gift from God glorified God greatly. It helped restore the Babylonians and their nation back to righteousness in certain seasons. He used his gift to build up God's kingdom. He didn't do it to make any of the kings look better. He didn't do it for more stuff. He did it for God's glory and God's kingdom. And Daniel says this about his gift in chapter two of the book of Daniel. He says this, blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and he sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells within him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we have asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. It's crazy how somebody that was a prisoner in the land of Babylon felt so much gratitude for the gift of wisdom that he had been given and grateful to use his gift on people who needed it, which were his captors. There is a gratefulness towards God that we see from Daniel and a recognition of where his ability came from. He used his gift as a means to honor and glorify God because he recognized where all of his abilities and his gifts came from. He used his gift as a means to serve those that he didn't think should always be served or others would say, ah, those people don't deserve service. They don't need it. They hurt me. They took me captive. Why should I serve them, God? But Daniel thought differently. And the kings were the opposite. The culture was the opposite because they saw their gifts and their knowledge and their stuff as their own glory. They had no gratitude towards God, which is why they had to keep humbling themselves. Does this not sound like the climate of our culture today? People using their gifts and their knowledge and their stuff as a means for their own glory. Yet as ambassadors for God, we are called to be different. We are called to use our gifts for God's glory and to build up his kingdom. And I want to acknowledge that these kings that Daniel had been witnessing to throughout his life, I don't believe these kings got to this place of self-glory on their own. Because later in the book of Daniel, very, one of the most popular stories, Daniel in the lion's den, we see that before he gets thrown into the lion's den, that the king who was ruling at that moment named Darius, he actually seemed to finally be doing some things right. But Daniel's peers disliked how much favor that Daniel had with the king. So the high officials convinced the king to make a law banning any worship or praise of any god or man for 30 days. And the king agreed to this. 
and Daniel was thrown into a den of lions. But he lived thanks to a miracle from God. And this is the draw of culture. It's this cesspool of self-righteousness and glory of sin that desires to take you off the narrow path of what you know is the truth, of what you know is right, and take you on a path to your own self-destruction. It affirms what is already within your sin nature, that your time, your attention, and your gift is for your glory. But this is for the followers of the Most High God and nobody else, is that if we claim to be people of God, if we claim to be followers of Jesus, then our time is not ours, our attention isn't ours, and our gifts are not for us. Because when I stand here and I make God's given ability that I have about me, it ends up looking really bad, and it damages God's holy kingdom. And we can see this through a lot of big-name prosperity pastors. To name a few that you all may know, Kenneth Copeland, Joel Olstein, T.D. Jakes, Benny Hinn, Stephen Furtick. These men all have a gift from God to teach, to excite, to speak, and to be entertaining. But yet there is scandal after scandal of false teachings using congregation ties to buy a private jet, fake stage healings, making promises that God will do things that God never promised he would do. And all of these things lead people astray and stain the reputation of Christ. Was this the purpose of the gift God gave them? I don't believe so. He gave them their gifts to build God's kingdom and glorify him, but sin and the desire for self-glory are currently corrupting them. And you too have a gift that is something special about you. Do you use your gift for your gain or for God's gain? The third point is God's ambassadors reveal what the lost do not know. King Belshazzar called upon Daniel to interpret this writing that he could not read. He was so desperate to know what it meant that in verse 9 of the same chapter, it says he was greatly alarmed. The color of his skin changed and his lords were perplexed. He needed Daniel. And by the grace of God, Daniel was brought to him to read this writing. But Daniel explains how the king's father, Nebuchadnezzar, was given greatness. He was given glory and he was given majesty, but his heart was corrupted and his spirit was made prideful and he became like a beast in the wilderness until he humbled his heart. And Daniel told that same man's son that was standing in front of him, Belshazzar, he said this to him, and you, his son Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all of this, and you had lifted yourself up against the Lord in heaven. King Belshazzar never would have known what God was trying to tell him until it was too late if Daniel wasn't the faithful man of God that he was. But God used Daniel to interpret the writing on the wall. And I believe that there is a writing on the wall for everyone who is far from Christ that they cannot interpret. But it isn't on the billboards. It's not plastered over people's walls or in their homes. It is on people's hearts. 
Earlier I said how the culture has become unrighteousness through idolatry, lust, and jealousy, and many more glorified sins. They live in sin, but do they really know any better? Do they know that their heart is chained to sin? Do they know what awaits them if they do not repent and humble themselves before God? Do they see the writing on the walls of their hearts? The heart of humans cries out for its creator, its author, and it craves truth, and it craves righteousness, but they don't see the writing on the wall. They don't see the message God is trying to give them. They don't have the time that they think they do. They aren't looking for salvation in the right places. They don't know the grace of God, nor do they know the wrath of God, but it's written on the wall of their heart. But just as King Belshazzar needed someone to interpret his writing, people today need someone to reveal it to them too. And part of being an ambassador for God is to be ready to reveal this writing when you are called upon like Daniel was, to show the people who are far from Christ and tied to the ways of culture and their sins. The writing on the king's wall that Daniel interpreted said this, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. You have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. And while it appears he still rejected what was revealed to him and he was killed that same night, it doesn't negate the fact that Daniel was still there to do God's will and interpret the writing on the wall. And we too must be ready when God calls upon us to do the same thing, to trust and obey. We must be ready to trust and obey. All who have not accepted Christ into their life and have not submitted their ways to him have a writing on the wall of the heart that they will never interpret. They don't see that they are King Belshazzar in our text. And just like the king, they may not know how to interpret this writing. And they will have the same fate as the king who didn't make it. In conclusion, being an ambassador for Christ is tough, let's not deny it. It takes faithfulness and it takes humility, constant discipline and diligence in the Bible and prayer. But it is so worth it. Despite how discouraging our culture and our society is, it is easy to lose hope in God's plan, to question him and wonder, how could this possibly get better? But we can learn from Daniel to be faithful and grateful despite our own captivity in this world as we wait for when we all go to our real home in heaven. But while we are here, while we have time here, let's be like Daniel who used the gift that God gave him to show the king what the writing on the wall was and help bring the nations back to Christ. I think we can all think of someone in our own lives who doesn't know the writing on their wall, who doesn't see the truth. These are the people who need an ambassador of God to reveal the writing on their wall, to tell them what Jesus did for them on the cross, to show them God's love and point them back to Christ, the author of what is written on their hearts. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for being the author of our lives. Thank you for being the great 
most high God that you are. And Lord, I pray that, I pray that all of us can grow to become ambassadors. And I pray we all step into this calling that you've given all of us, Lord. And I pray everyone is encouraged to utilize their gifts and their talents that you gave them for your glory, God. Thank you. And all of God's people said. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street, Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington, 98258. Or you can give online at elamlutheran.net. Thank you and may God bless you the rest of your day.